0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Continuing the series on Seek First, and our text is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Then drop down to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So everything in between that is a parenthesis. But it really is Jesus saying, do not worry. Instead, seek first. And we have this this context of winning against worry. Three things I want to share with you that we've learned. Seek his face. Seek his kingdom. And seek His righteousness. That's the best attack against worry we can deal with. First of all, we, we seek the Lord's face. We seek His presence. And then we seek His kingdom. The priorities that we're supposed to have in our life. And now seek His righteousness. And if we seek God's righteousness, we won't need to worry. So for the sake of review, let's revisit the definition of righteousness. The word righteousness in the Greek means integrity... Virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting. And I'm going to focus on that last phrase. Simply put, righteousness is right thinking, right feeling, and doing the right thing as God defines it in his word. Conversely, worry is the result of thinking, feeling, and acting wrongly. And so stress and anxiety and angst means something's wrong. Something's out of order in our life. And what we think about influences how we feel. And both our thoughts and feelings affect how we act and what we do. So it is simply a matter of thinking and doing what is right. How many of you know our world and our culture are attempting to redefine right and wrong? Like I've never seen it before. In- incredible, denying just basic biology and science. It's unbelievable How things are being redefined. But the Bible predicted this in the book of Romans chapter 1 and 2. That this would happen in the last days. And so more than ever, we as Christians need to do the right things. We as believers need to think the right way. We need to think according to God's word, not this world's mindset. And so it's important for us to take that stand by living it out in our everyday life. We as Christians should live a righteous life should strive to do what is right and to know the difference between right and wrong because God has made it very clear. It's not vague in God's word. And this word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What applied thousands of years ago, it still applies today. And the Bible is, is alive, it's living, it's a two-edged sword. And it, and it divides the truth from the lie. And there's a lot of lying going on in our culture today. There's a lot of untruths. And so we stand on the Word of God, and we strive to live a righteous life as an example to the rest of the world. And so we begin to define characteristics of righteousness, what it means. And the first characteristic of righteousness we studied was this. Number one, righteousness is from God. God is the only source of true righteousness. Any other Righteousness out of outside of God is self righteousness. How I many know God does not want us to be self righteous? That's to have that religious mindset and spirit where we think we're better than other people, that we think that we can do it on our own. That's self righteousness, and that's not from God. And so the true righteousness, the the, the acting and thinking, it, it comes from the Lord. Another trait of righteousness is number two. It, righteousness is a gift we cannot earn God's righteousness just like we can't earn our salvation we can only receive it as a gift how many know that if you're given a gift you need to receive it as well or you're gonna leave it wrapped in the paper and the bow and just admire the box now certainly with our, our grandkids I've got to spend a few days with my grandkids this week that's always wonderful And it's amazing, they got tons of toys, but they just want the box, you know what I'm saying? And so we need to open the box and see the gift of righteousness that God has for each and every one of us. The next quality of righteousness we learned is number three, righteousness is by faith. Like salvation, we are made righteous not by our works, but by God's grace through our faith. And so fear and worry and anxiety and apprehension and fretting, they're an evidence of a lack of faith, a lack of trust. Our level of worry is the measurement of the lack of our faith. And so if we're really stressed out and we're worried and to the max, how we know that our faith is struggling. That's where we need to shore up our what we believe. We need to get into God's word. And we need to to confess what God says and not what the world says, not what Satan says. And so righteousness is by faith. It's a gift. We receive it, and it involves trust. Great trust in the Lord. Because if you trust in God, then worry will have to flee. Amen? If you're confident in the Lord, no matter what happens, you know that He is good. He is good, He is God, and He is loving. So no matter what happens in your life, that doesn't change the fact of who God is. And so we we accept this by faith. And this is where we left off last week. Another principle regarding righteousness is number four. Righteousness must be pursued. Now it's by grace, it's by faith, it's a gift, but we still have to apply ourselves to become righteous. We have to seek it. We must search for it. We must apply ourselves to possess it. God tells us what is right and wrong, and we need to practice it in our life. Look at 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We need to stop pursuing the desires of youth, the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness. you got to decide, what are you going to chase? Are we going to chase the the mindset and the priorities of this world, or are we going to pursue God's righteousness and embrace it in our own life and practice it in our own life? Obedience requires practice. And you know what? And if we disobey, we need to repent We need to ask God's forgiveness and get back up and do it again. By the way, it's so good to see the Connors this morning. I just saw you guys. The Lord bless you. Miss you guys terribly. Welcome. And so righteousness is a gift, but we must receive it and open it and put it to use. Righteousness is by grace, but the Bible says you have to work out your own salvation. And so you got to work out your own righteousness from god you can't do it for anyone else and no one else can do it for you this is personal this is a personal righteousness that comes from the lord and we have to live it out and so god challenges us his people are righteous they're the people that do the right thing even when the rest of the world is doing the wrong thing god's people will be known by striving to do what is right So it must be our passionate pursuit of righteousness. And if we pursue righteousness, God will impute it to us. Now that may be a word we don't have in modern conversation, but it's a theological term. Number five, righteousness is imputed. And so what in the world does this word impute mean? I'm glad you asked. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, the word imputation, according to the scriptural usage, denotes an attributing of something to a person, or a charging of one with anything, or a setting of someone, something to one's account. It basically means to, be, to impute righteousness, it means to transfer from one account to another to credit someone's account. Now, Paul wrote to a man named Philemon, a little bitty book in the New Testament, one chapter. And what had happened is Philemon had a runaway slave who ran into Paul and got saved. And so Paul's confronting Philemon and said, you need to let him be free. And so Paul uses this same idea of imputing in Philemon, verse 18. He says, if if Onesimus was the name of the slave, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. That's what Jesus has said to you and me. Jesus told the devil, if they did anything wrong, charge it to me. Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid it all. He transferred it. Everything we have done wrong has been charged to Christ and transferred to his account. That is the principle of imputation. That's amazing what we can do on our phones these days. Isn't it incredible? I, I can remember the day before we had cell phones. Some people, boy, that's a marking place in our life, right? Before there were cell phones. And then smartphones changed everything. And what's so amazing is there are apps on your cell phone where you can transfer money from one account to another. I can actually transfer money from my account to my son-in-law's account in Africa. And so that's what this phrase means. It's to transfer from one account to the other. And we see in Nelson's illustrated Bible dictionary, God accounts or transfers the righteousness of Christ... To those who trust in him, we do not become righteous because of our inherent goodness. God sees us as righteous because of our identification by faith with his son. And so righteousness isn't because of our own doing, our own self-righteousness, our own works. It's something God transfers to us when we're willing to receive it and live it. According to the Assembly of God website, ag.org, if you ever wondered where you you needed to go. It says this, a two-way transfer happens on the cross. Our sins are transferred to Jesus, and his righteousness is transferred to us. What a deal. I love that song, The Great Exchange, because that's what this is. We are exchanging our sin for his righteousness, and that's why the cross is so important. That's why Jesus died. He died for our sins. Because the wages of sin is death, and yet He has promised to make us righteous if we'll only receive it. He'll take our sins, He'll take our guilt, and forgive us. There's another illustration Charles Spurgeon offered toward this principle, this theological principle of imputing righteousness. He said, We read in the New Testament that the church, that is, the people of God, is Christ's bride. And we all know that according to the law, the wife may be, may have some debts, but no sooner is she married than her debts cease to be hers and become her husband's. I don't know if you knew that, guys, but just, and vice versa, right, ladies? So when you get married, you assume their debts or their assets. So make sure you know before you say, I do, okay? I'm just telling you. And so... No sooner are they married than their debts are not just theirs alone. It is even so with the sinner in Christ. Christ married the sinner and put forth his hand and takes the church to be his. We are the bride of Christ. And we are in debt to God's justice immeasurably. We owe to God's vengeance an intolerable weight of wrath and punishment. Christ says, you are my wife. I have chosen you and I will pay the debts. And he has paid them and got his full discharge. Now whosoever believeth in Christ Jesus hath peace with God. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Same principle of, of imputing. Jesus had no sin. Perfectly sinless And yet on the cross, he took the sins of the world, past, present, and future, upon himself. He who had no sin took upon all sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the monumental transfer. Our sin for his righteousness. We owe it all to Jesus. The least we could do is seek after his righteousness Because he gave it to us, he transferred it to us, and it came at a high price for him, our sin, his death on the cross. But because of his resurrection, we are made righteous in him. Number six, righteousness is sown and reaped. There is a universal spiritual law of sowing and reaping. It's mentioned all throughout the Bible that whatever we sow... Whatever seeds we sow, we're going to reap a harvest. We're going to reap fruit of that same thing. And I've learned, lived long enough to realize that this is true. How many of you know, we do reap what we sow. And sometimes the, the challenges we're facing is because what we've sown way back when. And if we sow these seeds, eventually they're going to come to harvest. You know, some say, well, you know, everybody's got to sow wild oats. How many of you know if you sow wild oats, you will reap wild oats? And so we don't want anybody to go that direction. And in our own life, we need to realize that if we want righteousness in our life, we need to sow seeds of righteousness. Look at Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Sow for yourself righteousness and reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Is this incredible? I love this agricultural idea and principle. But here's here's the opposite, verse 13. But you have planted wickedness," wickedness. God is speaking to Israel. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception. Because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. If we sow seeds of righteousness, we will reap the fruit of unfailing love from God. Is that awesome? We gotta sow those seeds. How do we sow those seeds? By doing the right thing, by thinking the right way, by believing in our heart God's word. We're sowing those seeds. And as we sow those seeds, they're gonna come back to us and on our families. And so if we sow seeds of righteousness, doing the right thing, in time, you will reap a reward. How I many know doing the right thing is usually the hardest thing? It's difficult. And we're swimming upstream with our culture and our society today. But if we're determined to live rightly, to believe rightly, to think rightly, according to God's word, if we sow those seeds of righteousness, it will come to a harvest. We will benefit even down the road, even generations from now, will benefit from the seeds of righteousness you have sown. But if we sow seeds of wickedness, how I many know those will reap as well? It will reap the fruit of evil and deception. And so the challenge in Hosea: it's time to seek the Lord until he comes. And showers righteousness on us. What do we need to do? We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek His face. Seek His presence. And if we seek first His face, His presence, His kingdom, then He will shower righteousness on us when He comes. I've, I really, you've heard me share this throughout the year. That challenge upon us, I believe, it is time to seek the Lord. This is a season in our life and as believers and in the body of Christ where we should be seeking the Lord like never before. The Bible also warns us do not forsake the gathering together. This is important for us. I know we all went through it with COVID and all of those things, but how many know it's time to get back together, to bless God, to be a part? And that's why we're, that's why we're providing so many fellowship groups. Because we realized in the height of COVID, we didn't have that resource for people to still gather. Well, now we do. And so we need to plug in. You may say, oh, I don't need fellowship. Well, some, maybe somebody needs your fellowship. Maybe God's wanting you to be a positive influence in someone's life. And so it's time to seek the Lord. In your personal life and also as, church, as a church together, we need to be seeking the Lord. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Again, righteousness follows the law of sowing and reaping. In addition, number seven, righteousness results in peace. You know what? I think what most people in this world are looking for is some peace of mind. You know, they may have everything that the world says you have to have, and yet they don't have peace in their heart. But there's a way for us to have peace. And this is is what's so great about serving Jesus. I mean, he's worthy. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's privileges and perks and benefits to serving Jesus. And one of the Fruit of righteousness is peace. If we will live a righteous life, and it really is, the battle is in our mind. It's our thought life. It's our mindset. It's our attitude. And that can determine exactly how we feel. But if we're determined to think the right way and to believe according to God's word, it will result in peace. Look at James 3.18. Peacemakers who sow in peace... Raise a harvest of righteousness. See the connection between righteousness and peace? If you pursue righteousness, doing the right thing, walking it out in your everyday life, then there will be peace coming back to you and your heart. Look at Isaiah 32, 17. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Oh, don't you love that? You know, there was a time Jolie and I and the family went camping and, and we don't get out camping much, but, but whenever we do, you work so hard for three days, packing, setting up the stupid tent, you know, and you spend all that time and then you have one day of peace and relaxation, and then three days packing up again, driving back home, putting everything away that you won't use for another year, and so camping, I love camping that one day, that one little day, but it's worth it, all that preparation, because there's just something about sitting by a campfire, you know what I'm saying, having nowhere to go, nothing to do, and one time we had gone camping, and Somebody not far away was blasting their stereo. i got to tell you something. That's not what camping's for. Don't we go camping to get away from noise? I just can't understand that. And maybe I'm showing my age. Yeah, one of those persnickety people. But if we determine to live righteously, There will be quietness in your soul. You know, there's something about laying your head on your pillow at night forgiven, free, your conscience clear. There is a quietness that comes over our soul when we live righteously, when we think righteously. There is a confidence that comes to us because you know what? You know you've done the right thing. We can't guarantee how things work out, can we? But one thing you can guarantee is you can make you can do the right thing. And if you do the right thing in any any given situation, if you do the right thing, you can have confidence that God is with you. No matter what the circumstances are. Righteousness results in peace. And my last point is this, number eight. Righteousness will be rewarded. We will benefit from a righteous life. If we seek his righteousness, we will be rewarded. Listen to these promises. 1 Samuel 26, 23. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. Did you hear that? Every man or woman, the Lord will reward righteousness. If we will receive this gift from the Lord and work it out in our lives, live it out in our lives. He gives us the righteousness, but we have to live it out in our lives. If we strive to do that, He is faithful to reward us. Psalm eighteen twenty four. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. And this is not speaking of self-righteousness. This is the righteousness that comes from God. Would you bow your heads with me? Worship team, would you come? Almighty God, we come before you today. And Lord, you're calling us to seek your face, to seek your kingdom, to seek your righteousness. And so Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart here today, is there an area of our life we have not surrendered to you? Are you speaking to a part of our life that isn't quite righteous? Lord, is it possible we've been thinking negative things, saying it over in our mind? We've been quoting the devil instead of quoting the Lord. So, Father, I just pray that you would help us think according to your word. There's so much in your, in your word about what we think, how we process information. And you told us to think on things that are lovely, to think on things that are just, to think, to think on things that are beautiful. Think on these things, you said, in the context of overcoming anxiety. And so, Lord, I just pray for just an openness of our hearts that we're going to think about you and, and how you have said life is in, according to your word. And, Lord, we're going to live it out in our everyday life. Not a self-righteous person, but just true righteousness. Help us know what is right. And help us do what is right in, any, in given, any given situation. Because if we will do the right thing, you will cover us. You will give us peace and quietness and confidence. just like to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed if there's anyone here that has never given their life to Jesus Christ the Bible says you need to make peace with God and the way you make peace with God is to confess your sins to repent of your sins to turn away from them and to turn to God he'll be the one that forgives you and transforms you but you must choose You have this free will to accept God and his gift or to walk away. And so I'd just like to ask, if you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've walked with the Lord, but you know you're not where you belong. You're not walking in righteousness, but you're willing to. And God promises to give you the strength. Would you just slip up your hand? Anyone want to accept Christ? Amen. Amen. Others? No, the Lord is speaking to them today. Amen. For those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. I'm going to invite you to, to repeat it along with us. And so those of you who are already believers, would you join with me? And if you raised your hand and you accepted Christ, we just ask you to fill out the card in front of you and drop it in one of those white boxes as you leave because we want to follow up with you. We want to plug you in to these great groups we have. And so if you're ready to accept Jesus or you're ready to come back to him with all your heart, and for those of you who are believers as well, would you join with me in this prayer? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and are coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you. And I receive eternal life in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're a new believer in Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family. Get plugged in. Get in with a small group. Come to church and begin to grow in your faith with Jesus. Would you stand with me? At the end of our service, our elders will be coming forward and our board members and pastors will be standing in the front. If you need prayer, if you need healing, if you want to confirm your salvation because you prayed that prayer today, I'd invite you to come down. Or if you just want to come and kneel in the altar and talk to God, the altars are always open. I want to encourage that. For the rest of us, we will keep our conversation to the foyer because there are people that want to stay and remain in worship and in prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.